Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Day Beautiful. I'm Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where I interview a debut author about their reading and writing history, what inspires them, their debut book from Genesis to editing it, and from querying agents to finally selling it. If you like what you hear here, check us out on daybeautiful.net and follow us on social media at daybeautiful. Today's guest is a writer living in Istanbul by way of London, San Francisco, Dublin, Singapore, and two tiny towns in France. She holds a BA in English and Creative Writing from Wellesley College. Her debut novel, Holiday Country, is out now. Please welcome Inja Atrek. Inja, thank you so much for being here today. I just read your official bio, but I'm curious, what is your unofficial bio? Maybe the most important thing to know about me for this book is that I, like my main character, I'm also Turkish Californian. It's a huge part of my identity. Uh, I've had kind of a very creative plus corporate past. Uh, I love the sea. And I've been told that I'm a very, uh, very intense person at times. And another maybe defining factor about myself is I have this extremely loud, distinctive, kind of out of control laugh. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm so glad to have you here to talk about your debut novel, Holiday Country. Um, what is it all about? Tell readers, uh, cutting past the publicity copy, what, what can readers expect about Holiday Country? So Holiday Country is a coming of age story um, about a young Turkish Californian woman who's really caught between cultures. And every summer she goes with her mother from California to the Turkish seaside to visit her grandma. And this particular summer when she's 19, she runs into this man from her mother's past. And the story is about how she starts to become romantically obsessed with him. And kind of in the middle of this bizarre intergenerational love triangle, there are a lot of themes of uh, inheritance of fate, belonging, identity, um, it's really about a person's love for a place and mother-daughter dynamics. That's why I think I really connected with it. Um, I, this is like four podcasts in a row where I like mentioned my love for my mother, but I think my mom got me into reading. So I love just like reading about mothers uh, and seeing dynamics. Uh, and I prom actually, I just re-listened to a podcast I did. And I promised I wouldn't ask this, but I'm going to ask it. Was your mother influential in your reading and writing growing up or was she kind of distant from it? Oh, that's so funny. Uh, no, she was not influential. My father was actually really, mm. really influential cool. because he collects uh, extremely rare books and wow. he also collects first editions. So when I was little, uh, almost every day when he came home from work, he would stop by this used bookstore and he would pick up first editions of children's books and he would bring them home in this little brown paper bag and I would go wash my hands. We'd wash our hands together and we'd cut out like a plastic cover for the book and we'd turn the pages slowly together. So I always had this sense that like books were really magical and sacred and needed to be extremely well taken care of. Uh, I mean, there's still books. I'm at my parents' house right now and there's these books that he has that's just like, no one is allowed to touch. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, both my parents were really supportive, yeah. but I think my love for books and reading and storytelling really came from my dad. Wow, and and oh, that's beautiful. I love that he collects books because I mean, mm -hmm. uh, my background, it, like, but this is actually not, a, it's my real bookshelf, but I just throw them up there. I'm really bad about like, if things are bent, pages are I, I like scribble through everything and I think if I, I I'm just because I would 
damage a book. I can't collect like valuable <laughs> books, basically. <laughs> but that's amazing. Uh, did you were you writing as a kid, or were you just like a big reader? No, I wrote as a kid. I knew from when I was very little, I always wanted to be a writer. Um, so I was writing stories as a kid, and I was always really proud of them. And always in my report cards, you know, the teachers would write, oh, she's good at expressing herself mm -hmm. through writing. So it was it was always a constant in my life, and I, I knew it would continue to be. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love to hear that. Um, and you mentioned, like, your main character, you're a Turkish Californian um turkish american and you also went back and forth across like the two cultures a lot growing up yeah yeah so i spent three months out of every year uh, on the west coast of turkey actually with my grandmother uh so that was a huge part of my life and it meant so much to me um and for a long time i wrote about mothers and daughters and stories about turkey so this was the first big project that i really had to untangle and i um it was there were these certain dynamics and feelings I really wanted to capture. So I always knew my first novel would be about that. Yeah. How long were you working on Holiday Country? How long has this process been for you? So long. Mm. <laughs> it was 10 years. I started in 2013. Okay. Uh, so a few, I think, so I graduated in 2010 and I had like a very complicated, well, I wouldn't say complicated maybe complex relationship with Turkey. And I thought I wanted to move there after graduation and then I didn't. So I had all these um, mixed emotions about it. And in 2013, I was working in a corporate job and we had this big whiteboard where people were writing their New Year's resolutions just to have accountability for each other, non-work related resolutions. And I wrote like, I'm going to take my dream to write a novel seriously. So I started in 2013. I wrote for about four years. It was also a story. It took place in Turkey, but mostly in Istanbul. And it was a mother-daughter story, but uh, every other chapter was from the daughter's perspective, the mother's perspective, and the mother's perspective took place in the past in the 1970s. So I worked on that for a long time. It wasn't working, wasn't working. I went to grad school, took a break. And then when I came back to the manuscript, I thought, okay, like, I just I don't want to work on this anymore. It's not uh, it's not the story that I want to tell. What part did I have the absolute most fun writing? Like what part was actually fun and rewarding for me? And there was one chapter uh, that took place in the town of Ibaluk, which is where Holiday Country takes place. And so I thought like, okay, I'm going to take that one chapter and I'm going to build an entirely different story around that. Uh, and so, yes. And then I found my agent, I think, uh 2021 then we sold it in 2022 yeah so i i love hearing about like the decade-long processes uh a decade yeah. seems to be a common number for debut books uh especially people like you who didn't come from the mfa you were in corporate the corporate world right That's I was, but I, for my undergraduate degree, I was an English and creative oh, okay. writing major. Mm -hmm. Cool. So you did have that basis. Yeah. And then, but then you found yourself not in this world. You were, uh, you travel, you moved around a lot, your bio on yeah. your website, uh, London, San Francisco, Dublin, Singapore, two tiny towns in France, Istanbul. Yeah. Uh, was that for your corporate life, your, your other life? It was a mix. 
So uh-huh. place is very important to me, as you can tell. It's like the only thing I wrote about I love in my place. bio. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went to France for school twice, mm. and then I was in Dublin for work. I was in London for work, and I was in Singapore for school. Okay. And was Singapore for your more corporate life or was it part of writing? No, no, no. So I went to a liberal arts school. I went to Wellesley College in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And then for my third year, I spent the whole year at a French school in Aix-en-Provence. So I focused on like French writing and literature. Uh, And then for grad school, which everyone was very surprised about because everyone thought I was going to get my MFA, but I actually got my MBA Mm, at a French school with a campus in Singapore. So I started in Singapore. I did about four or five months there. And then you can switch campuses. So I went to France and I finished up there. Got it. Yes, that's okay. That that fascinates me. So everyone thought you were going to get your MFA and then you ended up getting an MBA. What was that time in your life like? Why not continue <laughs> writing? Why not focus on what you're doing now? Uh, it was a very confusing time for me. Yeah. Uh, I was in living in San Francisco at the time and I was working in the tech industry and when you're living in San Francisco everyone around you works in tech and so Mm -hmm. you have this idea that it's really the only place you can be successful Uh, because you just don't see anything else and so I actually really loved my team I love the environment that I was working in but I just knew that it wasn't for me. And I had this kind of test that I would do with myself, like, oh, if I go to the magazine stand and there's a picture of me on the cover of a magazine, what would the feature about me be about? And I was like, it's just not going to be about technology. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I don't know what the answer is, but I know it's not here. And I was like, okay, I'm going to give, um, like working in corporate another try. I'm going to go get my MBA. Uh, where I was was really important to me and I always wanted to live abroad so I looked at schools abroad and then I really liked the program that I went to because uh, there was kind of a cap on nationalities so it's extremely extremely diverse Mm. I went to this French school called INSEAD and you have to know three languages in order to graduate Uh, and they really value just like you know, people who have seen the world, who are curious about the world, who are interested in working with people from different cultures. So it really appealed to that side of me. And uh, I went there and every single company that came to present, I just remember thinking I want to raise my hand and ask them what type of person shouldn't work here. Mm. I just knew like nothing was working. And so I didn't know what to do at the end. And I went back to technology because at least I knew how to do it. I was in London for a couple of years uh, and it was really hard. I really want to do something creative, but it seemed like if I had this solid job that I, I knew how to do and I could make a living out of it, why don't I just continue? So the question always for me was, is this all there is in life or is there something better? And I couldn't answer that question. I just, I just felt so, so stuck. And then one day I changed the question. The question became, is it worth it to try and see if there's something better? I said, oh, absolutely, yes. And I was staying for my manager at the job because I really liked my manager. And then the day he pulled me into a meeting and he said, I'm going to move to another team. And I said, cool, I quit. I'm going to focus on my writing. <laughs> yes, and then you focus on your writing. Um, mm-hmm. 
when you went back to holiday country after you pulled that chapter uh what was that process like for you did it feel easier was it still a struggle um i'd just love to hear about that time when yeah you returned to the manuscript oh i don't remember how i felt but i feel like it requires a lot of strength to start from zero mm -hmm. after so many years yeah you know and um I, well when i started i made two promises to myself and i really recommend this to anyone who's starting on a very very long-term creative project and the first thing was that no matter what i would never give up and so i made that decision so i never had to go revisit it and then the second promise i made myself is that i won't be afraid um, of looking like, uh, you know, someone silly or a fool. Mm -hmm. Because when you have these mm, early drafts of your manuscript and you want to show it to someone because you're at the point where you absolutely need feedback, but you know that those early pages are not good and you think, oh, I can't give this to them. They'll think I'm silly or they think I don't know how to write. But I always would because I said, oh, no, but I'm not afraid of that. I don't care about that. And so after so many years of working on a manuscript and then going back and starting from zero and telling people, I'm still working, I'm still working. It's been eight years, I'm still working. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was just more comfortable knowing that uh, I, I didn't have to worry about having something to prove. I probably did worry about it a little bit, sure. <laughs> uh, but, but mostly because of those promises I made. I was like, well, you said you wouldn't give up and you decided that so many years ago. So you can't change your mind about it now. Yeah. Was there ever a moment you were close to giving up? Yes, I was. I remember it very clearly. Uh, I had, it was when I was doing the first version of the manuscript and I was in San Francisco and I had a very close friend. Uh, actually, it was the friend who took my author photo. Uh, and I thought like, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And he had been reading uh, a few early drafts because some of it was based on his experience in Turkey. I really used that as inspiration. And we were at a party and he said like, oh, how's it going? Like, when can I read? What's next? And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to work on it anymore. And he said, no, but I, I want to know what happens next. Mm -hmm. And then I just immediately got back to work. Like that response to hear that was so powerful for me that someone wanted to know what happened next, like something I made up in my own head. Um, and that was, yeah, that was the only point I think where mm -hmm. I was thinking about stopping. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned place is very important to you. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you have the chance to, did you write any of this while in Turkey um, or was it Singapore, Dublin, San Francisco, et cetera? Uh, I wrote most of it while, so I moved full time to Istanbul in 2019. Mm -hmm. and by that time, the story was pretty much done. It was a lot of time polishing and editing. And before that, I think I had a couple summers where I was kind of in Istanbul and in Ayavalık, and I did do some writing there, but the majority of it uh, took place outside. Yeah. Did you find it easier to write while in Istanbul or after, like you were just there because of the connection to the country, to the city, to the country? So, a couple things. Um I think it's easier to write about a place for me when I'm not there hmm, cool. uh, because I do have, it's easier to kind of go with what you remember feeling or things you remember seeing. Whereas if I am in the place, like, oh, what, does this street exactly cross this street? Like, you know, it's not, 
100% true to life and mm -hmm, I make mm -hmm. stuff up and, and feel free to do that because I couldn't just walk outside and confirm. Uh, when I moved to Istanbul, it was a little difficult because I, I was freelancing still, but mm -hmm. it was a little difficult because I had made this moving commitment to my writing. So I had, a, there was a lot of pressure on me that I put on myself. Be like, this is what you chose to focus on. So it better be good. Um, but I think, yeah, I think in terms of describing a place and kind of creating that story about it, uh, being apart from it is uh, works better for me. Definitely. I find that fascinating. I have asked a question similar to that to many different writers and it's, it's to see who prefers to be in the city to not be in the city or the location mm -hmm. is, um, always fascinating. It just goes to prove creativity is different for everyone and there is no right answer. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, once you are in Istanbul, uh, I think you said you sold it in, or found your agent around the same time, 2019, 2021, roughly. Yes. It's been time is hard. Two, two years. Yeah. yeah. I just... <laughs> but yeah. Um, once you found your agent, what was the feedback from them before it was sold? Like what needed to be worked on? What clicked right away? How did it all mesh together? Oh, wow. Um, we did do some rewrites with my agent. Um, I think mostly working on the relationship between the characters. And because I, when I was thinking about the relationships between characters, I thought like, oh, they feel this, but they also feel this. It's very complex. And sometimes they feel this. Uh, but for the reader, they really want to know like, what is a relationship so they can follow along. So just going through and threading in more clarity. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I don't think I had any major plot changes. I think there was maybe one thing I slightly changed about the ending. I, I worked on, I remember working on the ending um, closer to... Yes, the ending changed a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. but I don't remember the exact feedback that led to those changes. But it's definitely more um, character dynamics. Um, I think that the program descriptions and everything were uh, clicked for them. Yeah, and I do. I, I want to talk about yeah the book. So I think we haven't even talked about it. like I. I think I called it like sensual. Uh, I'm actually just going to pull up like quotes now that I have up. Yeah, book list, mm -hmm. immersive and sensual. Book is full of pleasures from Kirkus. Uh, uh, where it smolders, like so many, like you, you. There's like a sultry sexiness to it. That that's what I, I really loved. Um, it does a lot of things, but your writing like really brings that out. Was that something you were thinking about, or was that happenstance? Uh, I wasn't thinking about this is the way I want to describe the place, but it is very important to me in general in life that people understand like my emotional state of mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so whether this, so when I'm trying to describe something, I work really hard to get that description just right and put people in a place where they can feel the things that I felt um, and someone who you know over explains myself or I write something then I write an addendum and I say oh, that's exactly what I meant and so uh, getting it right was very important to me but I didn't set out to say like okay I'm going to describe this type of place with these adjectives and then 
go ahead and do that. Yeah, I, I, cause I loved, um, yeah, I just, I, I mean, it, 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 it felt like a fun read, but it also, it is a fun read and it is so like educational in a way to, I felt I've never been to Turkey mm-hmm. and it felt like I was there. And that's what I think your writing really brought out. I understood the emotions. I understood the emotions in this place uh, very well. And I just, I'm complimenting you and I loved it. <laughs> I do that. I just, yeah, it's, it's good. It's, that's what books should do. Um, your, your book tour features two writers that I love. I mean, there's many, um, Ruth and Mina both wrote books, yeah. uh, similar, similar themes. Um, and I guess it, it, what I'm about to ask doesn't necessarily have to do with them specifically, but I am curious about like your writing community and um, as someone who wasn't in like the New York City or the MFA scene, how have you built community? Um, are you, is it all internet-based? Do you have writers that you you work with, uh, that you workshop with or what, do, yeah, what does your community look like? So don't really have one. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really isolating, uh, I think. I, yeah, I mean, when I was working on this novel, I had a few friends that I sent it to. And, you know, when you send your writing to friends, they really need to be other writers. I think it's very hard. People get very excited about reading your manuscript, but it's very difficult to read a draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and only writers or people who are kind of in the literature field um, can, can really do that. So uh, I was really lucky to have a few friends uh, who are able to give me good feedback. But every year, you know, I say to myself, this year, I'm going to find a writing community. I'm going to find one in the place that I'm living in, or I'm going to find one online. And it had been really difficult. So I started a <laughs> public Instagram account. I can't remember, maybe a few months ago. And so I've been meeting people on there. And that's just been so amazing. It was yeah. really hard for me to put myself out there um online I was against it for a very long time but it, it's just so nice I mean I I talked to people that I never met in person and they've been so helpful you know I had questions about uh about my book tour and logistics and how go and publication and uh it's just such a helpful community I, I really hope actually that's the one thing I'm really looking forward to this year is just developing and growing a writing community um yeah, every everyone is 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 really great, and it's it's so nice after having uh, just like being in groups and communities of people that you know I met through work, I met mm-hmm. through grad school to have like a creative community as well. Yeah, uh, I, I'm. That's the one thing the internet and social media is still good for because I I'm with you. I am all over social media, and I think if I didn't have Day Beautiful, I would jump off of it. But I feel like a brand needs to have to have mm-hmm. a presence but yeah like people like Ruth her and I um are, like I interviewed her she interviewed me for something and just having like that connection with someone on the internet who understands kind of what you're going through um mm-hmm. is is so vital and anyway uh, I hate social media it's actually like my day job is social media and I hate it so much yeah. but uh anyway uh and now that your book is coming out 
I'd love to know how you're feeling because you have a very interesting path to publication. I feel um, everyone does, but yours, like you just mentioned, like the isolation, how are you feeling now mm -hmm. that the book is like, people are reading it, right? Like I am a stranger and I have read your work. Yeah. Thanks for reading. Um, it doesn't feel as weird as I thought it would. Um, I, you know, I spent really long on the book. It, came about because I had these emotions about my dual identity that I wanted to untangle. And mm -hmm. it was really a project for myself. Like by the time I got to the end of the book, like really got to the end, I understood more about myself. And it's, <laughs> I don't know, people always say, oh, you should write for yourself and you can't, but I, I really did. And I, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy with it. And so now it's out in the world and it's, it's totally out of my hands, which is something that maybe I'm still processing. Um, I feel, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm really excited. I, I, I'm just very happy. <laughs> No, that's so good. I'm glad you brought up that you learned a lot about yourself because I was going to ask something similar. What did, and it doesn't have to be every single thing, but what's something that you discovered about yourself through writing, through completing this 10-year project, through discussing these characters in these locations? Yeah, well, <laughs> one thing I wanted to say is that when I first did the first manuscript, that was a different story. You know, mm -hmm. the, like every other chapter was mom, daughter part of it took place in the past. I was just like, I have such an interesting life and interesting people in my life. And why don't I just take everything from real life? So first of all, that does not make a good story. It's incredibly boring and no one wants to read it. Um, no one understands anything about the characters. And then when people um, give you feedback about your main character, you, you think like, wow, is that really my personality? <laughs> I don't see myself that way at all. So in order to tell the story that I wanted to tell, I had to really start from scratch and to make up situations and people that built exactly the emotional state that I wanted and, and solve all the problems that I wanted to solve. And I realized about myself, I think that I, so I lived a lot of places and, and I really really love the challenge of finally like getting it like I remember one time I woke up in London and my house was freezing cold and I realized I had no idea how my heating worked and I went to go and, and try and solve that and I did and I felt like okay I understand you know something about this place I feel at home now and even though I kind of love that thrill and I seek that thrill I was always very hard on myself every time I was presented with a problem that made me think I don't know anything about what it's like to live here. Uh, and so I started to see that more of this is who I am and these are the challenges that I seek out and I actively seek them out. I could just live my entire life in California and I wouldn't come across those surprises, but this is something that I love. And when things go wrong, they're going wrong in the type of life that I want to build for myself. And um, that made me feel very calm and proud. I mean, you should be proud. Holiday Country, I, yeah, I, I love that it's coming out into the world. And I love that it's on part of this wave of very, like I, I mentioned Mina and Ruth's books, very similar themes. And people can find these these stories that I don't remember reading a lot of similar stories five, 10 years ago. And I just love that mm -hmm. 
this culture, these stories are coming out in the world. Um, one thing I want to ask, and I, and it's not like Claire, your publicist sent a pronunciation guide, an audio guide for, <laughs> and I'm sure you talk about that because I think it's important because I always ask, can you pronounce your first and last name? Let me know your pronouns before yeah. we record. And your book is one of the few books that I got like a pronunciation guide for character names and everything. Could you just talk about the importance of that? Uh, yes. So I made that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I think it helps people, number one, feel really comfortable, like feel more comfortable asking the types of questions that they want to ask instead yeah. of saying like, oh, God, I can't ask that question because I have to pronounce this place and I'm just going to yeah. work my way around it. Um, I think. Yeah, so when I was growing up, I kind of Americanized the pronunciation of my name. And so, it's, you know, easy for people once they once they understood how the C is pronounced. Um, that was my one big thing. Like, I don't really care how you pronounce it as long as you understand the C is pronounced like a hard J. And then when I went abroad and I was in this international community, I was like, wait, these people know how to pronounce it properly. And like, this is my actual name. So I'm just going to tell people what my name, because I had, you know, everyone would introduce themselves with um, the way that their name was pronounced in their country. And so why am I going around? you know, trying to make things super easy for everyone. This is, this is easy as well. Uh, so that was kind of an awakening for me. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it when people, uh, when people want to pronounce things the way they are. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not perfect. I have mispronounced many names and many words, mm -hmm. but I want to always make sure um, even like I'll say Istanbul, which is slightly mm -hmm. different than most. Like you, you I, how do how do you say the city? Oh, Istanbul, but I yes. I, I say the Turkish way. Yes, you know? exactly. So, but so that's I, fine. I, I but I like that. I want to mm -hmm. have the the correct the way people say it in the location is always kind mm -hmm. of how I prefer to learn to say it now. Um, just because I think pronunciation, place, everything is so important to our our identities. Anyway, um, yeah. so I'm glad you it's did. Also... I, I thank you for putting it together. Yeah, it's it's fun to I have a lot of conversations actually about like when to pronounce things the way they just for example, if you're at a restaurant, uh, you know, you're ordering Italian food or you're ordering French food. Mm -hmm. How does it come off? Um, does the waiter pronounce the words? And uh, yeah, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, it, it, it fascinates me. Um... Yeah, but I think it's a great you put that together. And I hope more writers and more publicity teams start to do that for books um, is all I was getting at. Uh, I'd love to hear what you're reading, watching, enjoying. What is uh, what is on your radar for the past year or upcoming or whatever? So, okay, two books that I read this year that I love are um, Everything's Fine by Cecilia Rabesque. Um, we actually share an agent, which is how I found out about her. And um, The Rabbit Hut by Ted Fenty, mm. which had like one of the most incredible endings and just like really satisfying endings that I've ever come across. Um, recently, I uh, just finished Mobility uh, by you know, Lydia Kiesling. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm actually reading um, Ruth Maniewski's book right now, All Night Pharmacy, which is yes. it's, like an incredibly wild ride. It's so fun. Yeah, that is uh, that was Dave Beautiful's book of the year last year. I mm. loved it so much. It was such a yeah, like what you just said, a fun wild ride. Uh, never knew where it was going. Um, and yeah, and you will be in conversation. That's your 
Yeah, she's my conversation partner uh, in Los Angeles. I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what what comes next. And I I usually have been trying not to ask this because I know how long books take, but do you have an idea? You don't have to talk about it, but idea for book two? Has it started? Are you like, I'm not even thinking about it? No, no, I I do. Well, so I'm an extremely slow writer. So I started two years ago and I still can't (laughs) tell you what it's about uh, because it keeps changing and not working. But um, the reason that I started so early thinking about it is because I heard a few writers mention like when your book comes out, your first book, there is just is really going to affect the way you think about your second book. Because if your sales are going super well, you're going to think like, oh, how can I match this? Now Mm -hmm. they have expectations of me as a writer. And if it doesn't do so well, then you have a whole other type of uh, mindset that you're in that's going to um, be difficult for you to write. And I think, okay, so this is where it's at right now and it can obviously change. Mm -hmm. But um, I, right now it takes place in Europe and I really want it to be exploring Uh, themes of power and power dynamics and and we'll see where it goes i want to thank indra so much for joining the day beautiful podcast to talk about her debut novel holiday country which is out now and you can get it at your favorite independent bookstore you can follow her at indraatrek.com and on instagram at indra.atrek I'll link those in the notes. You can follow me, Adam, at FitCabbage on all social media. And you can follow Day Beautiful at Day Beautiful or check us out on the internet at daybeautiful.net. And as always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful. And you're all beautiful. Beautiful.